0: Welcome to Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. C.H. Siddons. Hey, Mr. Sids. Hello, hello. Welcome back. And of course, uh, Mr. Peter Crable. Hey, Mr. Crabes. Hey,
1: what's going on, Rob? Uh, did he just call me
0: Rob? <laughs> That's almost <laughs> as bad as Bob. Anyway, uh, welcome hey back. Hey there, Bob. <laughs> welcome back to the show, everyone. Uh, we are glad you can join us, as always. You can find us at Ed's Not Dead PC on Twitter. And check out the website, edsnotdead.com. Ed's Not Dead is brought to you by Ed's Not Dead Media, a full service educational media company focusing on leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. Fellas, it is good to see you on the Zoom. We have a great show tonight, don't we? We do. Who do we have uh, we, on
1: today? All right. We are
0: going to be introducing, I came up with this name the superintendent series Hey, very yes. exciting!
2: <laughs> a new series
0: a, yeah. new, a new series the superintendent series is an examination of the courage and lived experience of school system leaders and the successes and challenges of public school systems there's been plenty of those over the last three years uh, we'll be interviewing three courageous leaders who are leading their school systems to better days um and our first guest tonight, we are uh, immensely lucky to have Dr. Daryl Williams, superintendent of the Baltimore County Public School System, as the first guest on the Ed's Not Dead superintendent series. It's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, very excited. And in all seriousness, Robbie did come up with the idea, which is, you know, I want to give him props for. Oh, thank you. And, and he's scheduled well, his first
2: guest. This, this is was his, his second, second guest. guest for,
1: and so we'll put it up there in the fridge right next to right. all the blog posts he's written as well so i I love
0: it how something 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 relatively good that i did becomes a joke
1: yeah
2: well, it's not a joke it's not a joke it is i can't tell you how much i appreciate that you've done no, yeah. those two things like it is a huge weight off my shoulders
0: and i've actually contributed to this the show notes i've put some things in the show notes over the last couple shows you did you did mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: all right the so leaf- you- go ahead mr Graves. no i made an offhand comment keep going <laughs>
0: Uh, so the superintendent series is going to start tonight with Dr. Daryl Williams, um, and then we are going to surprise our loyal listeners as the weeks go on with our next two superintendents. Um, so tune in, and we are also going to jump into uh, an interesting piece that Mr. Siddons found at NYU, students were failing organic chemistry. Who was to blame I, when I read this, Casey, and we're not going to get into it quite yet. But when I read it, I I was I kept being reminded about your ability to teach calculus.
2: <laughs> and I can't I did think about that. And I you I, did. Must say that I know you I, I, I've already apologized. <laughs> I've apologized publicly
0: before, but it will never get old. <laughs> All right. Well, the, this is this is going to be an interesting piece. We'll see where we land on this. So anyway, uh, fellas, how are you? Everything good?
1: Yeah, doing great. Um, Six like weeks much, into the
0: school year, Mr. Graves.
1: Yeah, yep, doing very well. Unfortunately, I think like much of the Mid Atlantic been mired in this unseasonal cold and gray Ooh. and rainy, starting to wear on me a little bit. Day five of uh, no sunshine and cloudy every day and unseasonably cold. I'm just not mentally prepared for it. I believe we're still
0: under the remnants of Ian, aren't we? Or is it something that Ian triggered? It's kind of like a
1: secondary Ian storm, I think. Mm, I, I did not follow it that closely.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I I think it is the tail end of that storm, or at least the remnants of that. And uh, I will say, driving to school and seeing the the temperature of 47 on my my dashboard was a little jarring. There wasn't even like a transition, which well, was... You know, in our last Just pod, right into we it. talked about we. In our last pod, we talked about the you know no consequence environment of, of fall and not having to worry about wearing a jacket or not. And now we, we're we, we jinxed it. Yeah, it's it's the power of Ed's not dead.
0: One of one of my one of my dear friends and colleagues had a very snarky comment. I guess we were talking about whether to run the AC
1: or not, <laughs> and. Yes, you made a comment about uh, squeaker millennials, I believe. No, the, they, the he Casey said, and I.
0: <laughs> yes, I did. And he said it was ridiculous that I was talking about whether to run the AC or not. We, we should be a little rain. We should be, we should be feeling grateful compared to folks in Florida. Um, I was reading about Sanibel Island, which I visited once, which is a beautiful place. And I guess there's a Sanibel Island elementary school that is no longer in working order. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So there was the question about how kids were going to be educated. So they really got hit hard. I'm sure it's impacted schools down there. Wouldn't you
1: think? Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're probably going to be closed for weeks. I mean, it's it's those areas that got hard hit. I mean, it's the devastation was total.
0: Yeah. Mr. Siddons, how are you doing, buddy? I'm
2: doing well, doing well. My, 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 my grade level that I'm in charge of, they had a wonderful day, wonderful couple couple days. They were really, I don't know, really happy with them.
0: Good. Students, students, you mean?
2: Yes. My students, the teachers, you know, for doing, for doing, rolling along, it's nice to get in like the middle of the first quarter and, you know, things have kind of calmed down from the beginning of the year. And, um, we're starting to get into a groove. It's nice.
0: We are in the sixth week of school. It's pretty it's pretty remarkable. It's wild how fast the school year flies by. We'll be the end of the first quarter, and then before you know it, we're at the winter break. It's it's pretty crazy. All it's right. Wild. Um we, we have some show feedback. Um we do, it's, it's rather inauspicious because I think it's a almost a
1: year old. So um, so timely.
0: I, I, <laughs> But it's going to be great, Mr. Krabs, What do you have? Well,
1: you? as we were as we we're discussing show feedback, I go, oh man, we've not looked on our iTunes uh, page in. <laughs> you are wondering yeah, I mean, about our literally about nine rating. months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, geez, we 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 had consistently said if anybody left us feedback, we would read it on air, right. and then we promptly you know didn't check it for nine months. But I do have something from so it's DMC teacher DMCC big m little c big c so whatever that is d appreciate it it's from february of 2022 so again, all right super super timely but they uh this individual i assume his teacher says are they educators or comedians that was the title of it wow because we're pretty funny that's why yeah yes well both i guess the three guys are fun to listen to but provide thoughtful ed content with amazing guests I'm not sure how they get the top names for interviews. Casey Siddons, but the guest list is always very impressive. So thank you. That's pretty awesome.
0: That's that that's top five show. That's pretty good. Yeah. Six seasons.
2: And I didn't even, I didn't even have to pay anybody for that one.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, We have a loyal listener named Dr. Cohen. Um, who I've been urging to leave us show feedback. We have a lot of loyal listeners out there that could be leaving us feedback, but they don't. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: So we'll just, I, I'm, I'm publicly shaming him to see if it'll prompt anyone else. We'll
1: put something officially in writing to to read on there. It'll, it'll
0: prompt him to text me some show (laughs) feedback. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for that, Mr. Crabs. All right. Mr. Siddons at NYU students were failing the completely challenging from what I've heard, never took it. Uh, I, based on what I read in the article, I'm glad I never took it. Organic chemistry. Um, and it all comes back to a certain professor. Tell us about, tell us about this piece.
2: Yeah, so I, I shared this article uh, the other day. I read it and uh, I felt like it was good pod fodder. Um, <laughs> and the title is, At NYU Students Were Failing Organic Chemistry, Who Was to Blame? And um, Maitland Jones, Jr., respected pr- professor of NYU, defended his standards, but students started a petition and the university dis- dismissed him. So let me share a few quotes with you all. Um, in the field of organic chemistry, Maitland Jones, Jr. has a storied reputation. He actually wrote the textbook that he used in his class, which I thought was a little bit of an ego ego move. But hey, if you write a test- textbook, all the power to you. Uh, he taught the subject for decades first at Princeton, then NYU. Um, But last spring, uh, students signed a petition against him and and students were saying that the high stakes course that was uh, apparently notorious for ending med school dreams was just too hard. Uh, And they blamed Dr. Jones for their poor test scores. Um, and, And in addition, Dr. Jones's course evaluations uh, were added were by the worst, not only among members of the chemistry department, this is a quote, but among all of the university's undergraduate science courses was the worst. And that was coming from the university itself. And although it seems like he was terminated without appropriate due process, the university seems like they were sick of him. And it obviously seems like it, w- it was turning into a PR nightmare. They obviously had concerns over his performance. But on the other hand, it's incumbent on the university to address those concerns, those instructional concerns. So my question to you all and our listeners, um, who who are we behind? Are we behind the students who had legitimate concerns over his instruction and demeanor and his comments and his tone, or Dr. Jones, who was terminated with what seems like, at least from our view, a lack of due process? Uh, Mr. Craves, what do you think?
1: So you know, for me, it's important to kind of parse this out into two two separate areas. So the juicy headline is basically our is a hard course, and now we're bending over backwards to allow anybody to pass and reducing rigorous standards and all that sort of stuff. So that's I think that's like the hook of the article, and whether that's in fact true or not. So I want to address that first. So I mean, I. I can't imagine any any of the three of us or many you know educators out there are in favor of watering things down. And I know nothing about organic chemistry, but I did go to college. And in popular media, it always has the 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 title is like you know the 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 flunker outer or the, whatever the term is of just weeding out um, those that can't cut it from those that can. And I think that in and of itself is fine. I mean, at some point, you got to learn it. You got to know the content. You got to be able to show that you know the content. So I think in that sense, um, there's no issues with it at all. Having high standards and having people do very difficult things is what we need in all professions, not just whether you're going to be a chemist or, or whatever you're going to do with that. I think some of the the other parts of this, though, is um, despite of a very uh colored well no despite a very um prestigious resume at some point the world passes you by ooh, ooh. and i'm not being I, I don't know if that's the case but the assumption is look at this this guy's resume and he automatically is qualified to still continue to teach and he may be but i'm saying looking at a resume as you continue on in your career, I think at some point, maybe you lose touch with what kids are like today, and to think that you could teach the same way, even in college and even with organic chemistry as you could twenty years ago, thirty years ago, forty years ago. I don't know if that if that's still really possible
2: he, he did he did say before dr. Dodd, you come in there he he did it did say he hasn't changed his style or methods in a good many years. The students have changed though. And they were asking for and expecting more support from the faculty, and they're struggling. Dr. Dad, what do you think?
0: I, um, yeah, I saw I, I, another quote that jumped out at me, uh, Casey, was, uh, I guess, from the um, head of the department. Dr. Jones, quote, learned to teach during a time when the goal was to teach at a very high level and rigorous level. We hope that students will see that putting them through that rigor is doing them good. But then, no. Th- I'm sorry. This was Doctor Canary. He hasn't changed his style or methods in a good many years. The students have changed, though, and they were asking, "Is that what you just said?"
1: Uh,
2: I'm curious as to what you think about that particular I, quote because. I,
0: I, so I, you, you hit us with the either or Sean Hannity floor. <laughs> and I, you know, I guess I would put it on NYU. First of all, I'm stunned that the head of the department publicly commented
2: I thought on, I was I thought that same thing
0: on his teaching methods um and I'm I'm curious I don't know enough about higher ed to know you know why it takes a student petition to have a sense of how whether a professor is meeting students needs or not right um certainly student voice is important I know it's pretty commonplace now right that professors do feedback surveys in their courses and I think I think those actually carry some weight now in higher ed. Um but I'm not sure why NYU had to let it get to this point. Right. Where it was uh you know either he goes or the kids are going to, you know, do a sit in in the president's office. Um and and that's ha- that's kind of where it, it it seemed like it got to. Um I, I you know, these are these are tough issues. I I we we have this discussion all the time. I mean, competitive environments are um, sometimes they're tough to tease apart. I yeah. you you can have you can have professors that expect a lot, and I'm sure that we've all had teachers that seemed inflexible and had incredibly high standards. But I, I know that in, interestingly, those folks always got the most out of me. Right. I, I always wanted to perform my best for those that had the highest standards, and sometimes seemed unforgiving. Um, and uh, you know, I—I I don't know. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm totally torn on this one. I mean, I feel like there's—I think I feel like there's blame to go around. I think somebody probably could have communicated with the students better about what was being done to support this professor, and maybe change. And if he wouldn't change, then. And, and and time and one on. of the things
2: one of the things that they mentioned in the article is that the this a lot of the students that wrote the petition and signed the petition didn't never even asked for his termination. They just wanted him to be more responsive, and the university to be more supportive of their needs. They never asked for him to be terminated. So to me, it so seems maybe like
0: why NYU wanted to get rid of him.
2: Th- that's what I, I'm thinking. He, that. Was, they, he was they, not they, a they were looking professor. For, no, he was just on a yearly contract. So um, it, it just seems to me that the university not only misstepped in terms of providing due process, but you know, we don't know what's going on behind the behind closed doors about like, did they even try to support them? Is there a support mechanism for struggling instructors? And and if so, um, what does that even look like at the higher education level? I have no I, idea. I,
0: I'm not sure they even had to provide him with any quote unquote due process. Yeah. I think um, it was just-
2: but there is, but there is an attitude at higher education where and it says it here where it's this organic chemistry course is seen as a what they call the weed out class, where it's like, if you can't make it, then you're not going to be in med school. So, I mean, to me, that's that screams of, well, we want the best of the best people that can function in an organic chemistry environment because they're going to be taking care of our kids, our, our parents, us, and, and they need to know things at a molecular level in ways that maybe they couldn't if they weren't doing that kind of course.
0: I, I guess I wonder sometimes in those kinds of courses, in those super rigorous weed out courses if 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 the professor or whoever is teaching it doesn't kind of become one in the same with the course in other words the the archetype of who that character is that teaches that goes along with kind of the expectations of a course like that so this organic chem is really hard so i mean if I think we could all kind of picture what that professor might be like. Right. Right. So, and, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe they need to, maybe in those really difficult courses, you need somebody else.
2: Um, I I also, I also, I think it's a good point, Robbie. And I, I, I struggle because I'm thinking of the, the, the other quote that stuck out to me, do these courses really need to be punitive in order to be rigorous? Mm Um. Is is there an is there another pathway? If you're not passing this class, is there another way for you to be successful in organic chemistry? I don't know what that would look like, but I feel like it's incumbent upon the university to provide that support if the folks are willing to pay the money, the thousands upon thousands of dollars, to be there, then what kind of support is being provided to the students to make them make it work? And
1: and I think that for me leads to a question about. What seemed to be the the professors, various professors and, and students, I think, were successful in that class as well. Point of view is that the university in this instance catered to the needs, not the needs, catered to the complaints of a group of students who were not doing well because they weren't putting in the time. And basically, we're giving in to um, some students that, you know, I guess were meant to be weeded out or whatever the case may be. I mean, what do you think about that perspective? I, I, what, I think, would, it, would a school like NYU even do that?
2: My, my, my initial feeling on that is that two things can be true. You can have kids that are not spending the appropriate amount of time and cheating and spending, you know, sending text messages around of answers and stuff like that. And you can also have a professor who's not being responsive to the needs of the kids in in this, in this in front of them, Right.
0: And those things can be, they're not mutually exclusive. They can be Correct. related,
2: right? Correct. I, yeah.
0: I, I thought the, I thought the criticism, I'm always careful. You, you, you all know about criticizing young people, Um <laughs> I don't think it's a great thing for ratings anyway, for the show, but I, <laughs> I, you know, some of the, some of the accusations about what kids were doing didn't sound a lot different than what probably kids are doing in most courses. Right. Um, You know. Texting each other answers, not coming to class. I mean, those were all, I, you know, I, I felt like that was, I mean, maybe there was, I, I, my sense was that there were legitimate concerns about his style. Right. Um, certainly not about his content knowledge. He was a, he's a giant in organic chemistry. He has mm-hmm. a textbook that was, that is obviously highly regarded and used in, in universities. So, it's a shame, you know, sometimes these personnel issues end this way. Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder if NYU, you know, they, they just didn't seem very nimble in how they dealt with it. Um, and I, I wonder if it had to end this way or could have, you know, maybe there was an off ramp in some other way other than petitions and just an unceremonious, we're not picking up your your next contract. Right, right.
2: I, I on a i guess on a side note a follow-up for us something to think about is and we I've, I've railed about this in the past I'm sure I've complained but um at at some point I, I feel like there's there's always been a push internally and externally in k-12 education to continuously push our teachers to to keep getting better and to keep improving and, and to push your practices and try to improve, your pedagog- pedagogy. I, I actually don't even know the extent to which that's done in higher education. My assumption is not much, but I don't know. I don't know the answer to that.
1: Yeah, and what is incumbent upon professors or teachers to to look at the you know the kids that are before them, the students that are before them, and figure out how best for them to learn. You know, right. I, and in this case, I don't know. You know, I I don't know enough about organic chemistry to say. It just seems like. Um, the fact that the university was willing to do it in such an expeditious manner after receiving, I mean, I'd have to look back at the number. It was 82 ma- out of yeah, 350, I mean, yeah, yeah, less than a hundred like signed yeah. a petition. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's not exactly a groundswell, you know, that's like, wow, we're under so much public pressure. Yeah. Um. So, I, you know, I do know, I think there's more to the story. I think mm-hmm. that they may be looking, they might've been looking for an excuse. There might've been concerns previously you know, who knows? But I, this notion that that I that I know is getting all of the bandwidth of some people that he had high standards and he was fired for it. I you know, I have a hard time kind of taking that as as gospel. Right. Yeah,
0: that's that's. But like you started out by saying that 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 sells the whole. We're dumbing down every level of education. Everybody loves <laughs> to read about how you know we're just. We're not holding kids to high standards like back in the old days. Right.
1: Back in the old days, I knew yeah. kids were good until just a couple years ago. Then all of them changed. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, <laughs> yeah, maybe, but maybe you didn't change, and everything else right. did. All right, Casey, you need to, you need to, you need to book an
0: organic chemistry teacher or professor all right i'm gonna i'm gonna look into that Um, we're gonna find out we need it we need to get some super smart chem person i'm gonna
2: try to find a a guy who's written a textbook on organic chemistry Uh, yeah
0: i don't know if you have to go that far (laughs) just somebody that knows something about oxidation reduction reactions
2: oh (laughs) all right all right everybody uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna cut us off we Thanks for uh, joining us in this this discussion. If you have any comments, questions, feedback, or if you're an organic chemistry professor who's recently laid off, please uh, contact us and we'll get you on the pod. But uh, until then, we're going to take a short break and we'll be coming right back.
0: Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead Fellas, uh, it is time to unveil the superintendent series. Um, I couldn't be more excited uh, with our with our next guest, Dr. Darrell Williams. Uh, Dr. Williams, he is currently the superintendent of the Baltimore County Public School System. He's a highly experienced, successful educational leader, as he just mentioned to us, off-air, 35 years. He's held a variety of important roles in public ed, Um, And I didn't even ask him for a bio. Once upon a time, I always used to say that Dr. Williams had the best resume of anyone that I knew in education. Uh, I think he started his career maybe as a math teacher in the DC public school system. Um, He served as an administrator at the middle school and high school level in the Montgomery County public schools. He was the principal of two of the Largest and most high-profile high schools in MCPS, Gaithersburg High School and Montgomery Blair High School. He's an associate superintendent, and now he is the superintendent of BCPS. Dr. Williams, welcome to Ed's Not Dead. We're thrilled to have you on the show.
3: I'm glad to be here. I'm honored to join you all. Looking forward to this conversation.
0: All right. So let's let's jump in. Um, as we slowly kind of emerge from the pandemic what do you think are the priorities of public school systems across the nation and specifically the things that are at the top of your list as a current superintendent?
3: So thank you for that. I think we all know there was some learning loss over the past two years. So what's top on my list is always about teaching and learning and knowing that we have to accelerate learning. Uh, We have to fill in some gaps yet still. Teaching the standards to students, whatever course, whatever grade level. But we must recognize the social emotional well being, not only of our students, their families, but also our staff. Um, so we saw some hope this past year as we brought back many of the systems across the, the state, brought back students five days a week. Um, and that was an adjustment. And then the start of this year, just continuing that work. Um, so for us in Baltimore County, we've always focused on learning. So the accelerated learning, uh, social emotional well being, uh, data literacy. We we have done some in- extensive training and have new tools. So we have uh, on time data of how our students are doing, which then help us to uh, adjust correct or intervene. Um, and so I think that's where all of our schools are dealing with at this time of our, of our year, start of a school year. And, um, it's, it's really building on what we did last year. So I've,
0: I've never known you that you were not an educational leader. So when we, when we had this interview scheduled, I was thinking about your leadership, um, and how it's potentially evolved over the years. So you were a relatively new superintendent during an unprecedented time in public ed. How did your leadership change during the pandemic? And did you learn anything about yourself as a leader that informs your work in the future?
3: So that's a, that's a good question. I came to Baltimore County in 2019, July of 2019, the pandemic happened in March of 2020. I was in my first year as the superintendent of Baltimore County in a new area. I knew Montgomery County. Mm -hmm. I was there for 25 years. I had the connections, um, but to start a new role in a new county and to experience the beginning of the pandemic, uh, one, I've always learned, it, it's, a, it's about collaboration. Um, it's about enjoying the work, but also having that urgency. So you have the urgency. But what I learned is that this work we had to do during the pandemic, it involved folks outside of education. Now, this was something, we didn't go to school to, to know how to manage a pandemic, that's mm-hmm. not our forte. So I've learned that I've always knew this. I like to have smart people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love to collaborate. And I love teams. You got to have a strong team. And so we've learned a whole lot of things this last few years. So I think I pulled on some of my experiences. But it was still hard. New county, new role, mm-hmm. not having all those connections. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, it was a lot of trust that I had to build while doing the work. That's challenging for anybody.
2: Can I, so, can I pipe in Crable? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, so we, we've asked this question a lot over about the, with our guests about how do we help with the the teacher shortage, the quote unquote teacher shortage. We had a whole pod about it last time and, you know, you've done the hiring at a school where you've had trouble hiring people. I'm sure, um, you're now experiencing it. I, I imagine at, at, a, a, com- a district level, uh, BCPS for our listeners is I think like the 25th largest district in the nation. So my, my initial question was going to be about what are you, what is BCPS doing to, to increase or support, um, teacher shortages. But I I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, like what do we need to do as a society to, to, to increase the pipeline? Cause there's some things as a superintendent that
3: I feel like are out of reach, but what are your what are your thoughts on that? So I'll start with the society. Um, we have to make teachers or educators administrators. We have to make that profession where it was when probably you started, when I started. Um, you know, sometimes I worry that our own people talk badly about the profession.
2: Mm. Oh, so folks that. hear
3: that. And they they hear all of these negative stories. And I just had a meeting earlier where I explained to this group, I said, the situations that you're reading about in the news, you know, that's that's 1% of our population. If that, yeah. 99% of the other students are doing what they need to do. <laughs> and so so I think we have to show the importance of the profession again. Um, And to your point, as a principal. I could sell my school and the reputation of it and the folks around that building really didn't allow someone to talk some something negative about the school and folks wanted to come. We had to turn people away um, because of that desire. And that was in many of the schools that I worked, not just the two that Robbie described, but as a superintendent, it's it's. um, redirecting some individual and correcting some false narratives out there things happen things will happen but that does not paint the picture of the system you know when i look at all of our seniors and when they graduate and all the places they're going to and what they're interested in and then this past class or well, well, the t- class of 21 you know, they earn over $180 million of scholarships. They go into all these wonderful places. We're trying to celebrate that um, because there's a lot of stories that you just don't see on the front page or you don't hear about it on the media. Mm. So I think we have to do a better job of making sure the profession is where it needs to be. But we also have to look at work conditions. Mm. You know, you know, you know, You know, I haven't been in the classroom as a teacher in a while, but when I started in 1988 teaching and compared to what we're doing now, there are vast differences in terms of tools, strategies and curriculum. And so we really have to make sure the work condition is conducive for this younger generation, those who are are young uh, Generation Z's and they want to be out there and they want to explore different things and they're starting families. We really got to make sure the work conditions and compensation packages are going to really attract and keep our teachers and our administrators.
1: So I want to follow up on um, you mentioned a little bit about education in society. And, you know, in the last couple of years um, you know education has certainly come to the forefront of many people's minds um, really in the political arena and as with most things in the political arena um, things become very simplistic or you know overly wrought one side or the other so my question is is a superintendent how do you how do you navigate that and how do you decide what issues to speak to, to speak about while still being a superintendent and a promoter of public education for all students, while also knowing that you have these really fierce battles going on of people who have sometimes, you know, completely polar opposite views of education, what education should be doing, what teachers should be doing, and so on?
3: Well, I, I, sometimes, Phil, I have to pick and choose my battle, right? So for me, I will always bird my work and my comments to our strategic plan, and by the way, that was something I did my first year. So, you, so let me add that on to the work coming in, and we're dealing with an outdated strategic plan. The strategic plan is guiding the work, you know, and what our measures and what we're trying to get to. And so, we do have um, opposing opinions. We do have folks who will try to uh, have uh, the topic for the week or for the month. And thank you very much. Um, thank you for your viewpoint. Um, uh, we will consider that we believe in having all voices, but there's some, some, you know, I can't give the time and space to something that's going to derail me off the plan because I'm really looking at equity. I'm really looking at closing gaps. We have gaps, many of our systems, we have gaps. So, um, the, po- the political side is, is it's, I thought it was large as a high school principal. Um, it's even more as a superintendent, especially when you're dealing with a large system. There's always different opinions and viewpoints and folks want to take you down a road um, and we will engage. But at some point I got to do the work. The folks have to do the work. And so. Um, that's a big piece. The political frame of a superintendent is, is, is large, particularly in this area. Baltimore County is the third largest system in the state of Maryland. And so I collaborate with Prince George's County, my friend Monica over there, and, and the largest is Montgomery County. We collaborate with Monifa because we see some similarities, but there are also some differences. So um, that's a big piece of the work trying to stay focused and to see what's happening in our schools and to monitor, the data, but also I have to make sure we're keeping our focus on that strategic plan.
0: So that's a great way. Great segue strategic plan. I know, um, having worked for you, Dr. Williams, how much you care about uh, (laughs) uh, student outcomes, how kids do. I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, that's what it's about in public education. So of all the effects it came out of the pandemic i think we can all agree that one of the most concerning is is the way that it seemed to disproportionately impact students of color academically so this is kind of a two-parter did the pandemic create inequities or did it shine a spotlight on inequities that already existed and what do you see as some steps that that you're going to take as a superintendent or schools across the nation need to take to address um unequal outcomes and inequities in, in, in resource access.
3: So I appreciate that. I think uh, for us, um, it was shining a light on areas that we knew we weren't meeting the needs of all students. And then uh, the pandemic hit and I think the numbers increase, right? So, so we know that. So our approach has always been um, what can we do as the adults, right? So school improvement, you've heard this before, school improvement is people improvement, right? Um, But I just couldn't stop there. I just can't say we're going to do more PD, more PD, more PD, without really looking at what are our resources that we're providing our schools. So as simple as, and this I say it is as, as simple as probably the hardest thing to do is looking at our written curriculum, our taught curriculum, and our assessed curriculum. And then when we have the data, are we able to pivot to meet the needs of our students? So I say all that, the, the types of courses that we're running, both in person and online. There's some students who are able to manage both. So we increase the number of virtual learning online. Summer programming, extended day, weekends, all these different options about more time for students. And then being very crystal clear, looking at some of our most impacted student groups, African-American, free and reduced meals, and special ed, and I will probably add in our English language learners, and be very intentional that whatever we do, how is that working for those student groups? If it's not working, what more can we do? Or do we need to change, change it completely? You know, I think that's the important, the important role that we do every day in the schoolhouse and in the central office. But ultimately, I'll just I'll just end where you started. Our goal is to get our kids ready to do whatever they want to do after high school, whether it's military, career, or college, two-year or four-year. It is our role to make sure they are prepared. Um, yes, I would love to have a 100% graduation rate. Like, yes, I would love that. We're not there, but I want to make sure we meet the needs because not every everybody wants to go to college, and so we make sure they are ready for a career. So, so I just share that as that's that's what I what I'm monitoring. Sometimes that keeps me up at night. Just are we doing enough for our students? And the last piece, I'll just end. One thing I've learned is the, the, the importance of partnerships. So the schoolhouse cannot do it by itself. Right. We have to rely on our community partners. So I'll just put in a plug. This past July, we had a community partnership fair. We had over 200 people to come in to share the work that they're doing in schools and to share how best they can collaborate with other partners in other schools. It's actually the feedback was well received, very positive. And that I believe that's the beauty of a school. When you have that partnership, um, working with the school, you can really meet the needs. And this also shows to the families that we do collaborate with people outside of the of the of the walls. So that's important. I think that's the the one thing I'm most proud about is this most recent work with our community partnerships.
0: Mm. Awesome. All right, last before we go to the painful quiz, I think Mr. <laughs> Sid, I think Mr. Siddons has one, that one I, last I, question.
2: You know, I, I had a qu- different question, and I actually I wanted to end on a, a different note. And I your last response made me think of it differently Is like it, it's easy to get in the doldrums about where education is, about where our society is. What what, what uh, in your position and where you've come from, like what gives you hope every day um, for for our education? And our
3: our kids. So what gives me hope, um, at least two times, three times a week, I visit schools when I sit down and talk to students and they tell me about their vision, their desires. And then I say, well, what are you doing about it? And they start to describe some of the work. It may not be everything that will get them to that vision that gives me hope. I'm I'm talking about elementary school kids. Mm -hmm. They get excited when they see someone coming into their building and sitting down during lunchtime. And you can go and look at my tweets. I'm out there in the building, sitting down there in classrooms, just interacting. Um, but, But that really gives me the hope that, you know, this is why we chose education. So when we get to see just what on what are on, on the minds of our students, and as I go to the middle schools and high schools, to hear the incredible stories, and sometimes the um, the struggles that they've overcome. And I say, you ought to be proud about what, where you are. You might not be where you want to be, but just think about how far you've come. And then when I see those seniors and I meet, I go around in around spring, I go to all of my high schools, my 24 high schools, and I sit down with the senior leaders and I always ask them, tell me what worked for you as, as, as a student during your educational career and what do we need to change? And I share that feedback with senior leadership and I look forward to those moments. I really, if you're having a bad day, as you all know, as educators, go into the classroom <laughs> and, and interact with students. Um, they will pick you up. They will ask good questions. They always comment about my clothes or my hair or my <laughs> shoes. Um, but it's the, that? Thing. it's the best thing because, you know, they're our future and we want to make sure they are prepared because they will be taking care of all of us at some point. So um, I still have hope. I that's see the glass half full. I'll tell you, that's how I look at things.
2: I love that.
1: And I, I do have one, one last question. <laughs> Sorry. The one last, last question. Very, very important question. So you get out <laughs> to a lot of schools, you go to a lot of lunches, probably. Do you have a go-to uh, lunch order in one of your schools? Is there a particular whatever they, s- well, listen, I'm yeah. glad
3: you said it. It's whatever yeah. they are serving? I'm trying to show to the community, we're doing more fresh fruit and vegetables. So when I go and it's lunchtime, yeah. I sometimes don't go during lunchtime, but I go during lunchtime, I'm making a point. To, of course, acknowledge the office staff, building services, cafeteria workers. And then I'll go, I have a PIN number, I go, I have an account, Mm -hmm. I punch in my account, and I get whatever the order is. But I make sure I get my two fruits and two vegetables, because that's part of what we serve. Are you a chocolate milk
1: or a white milk guy? Is that still a thing? You know, that's a thing.
3: I'd rather drink water. I know that's a part of it. The- <laughs>
1: Me too. I know. But it, they always got both the, the, the regular. And well, the that's the right?
3: guidelines. You got to, you, you you have to serve milk, but yeah. I, I will go. I'll, I'll go for water. Okay. I, was a
0: cho- I was a chocolate milk guy as a kid, but then as a teacher, I transitioned to, to white milk. For oh, skin. man. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. I, well, one, fellas, one thing I, the next time we get Dr. Williams on the show, um, I want to, we didn't ask him much about the principalship. So we we need to do that the next time yes. we're, we're a little short on time. We got to do the quiz. All right, Casey.
2: All right, Dr. Williams. So we know you are the superintendent of Baltimore County public schools, AKA BCPS, but we want you to know, we want to know what you know about the other famous BC, which is British Columbia. <laughs> I told so you, Dr. Wade, British I Columbia, you're if you're not sure, is the westernmost province of Canada situated between the Pacific Ocean and the Rocky Mountains? Are you ready, Dr. Williams? If you answer two out of the three correct, you'll win a, a not dead sticker.
0: <laughs> and no, 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 Googling, Dr. Williams. Put your phone down. <laughs> right, here, we, here we go. All
2: right. Number one. British Columbia is one of the top three producing regions of blueberries. And what other fruit in the world? Is it A cranberries? B. Salmon berries or C. Grape nuts,
3: <laughs> cranberries,
2: cranberries is correct. Woo-hoo! One for nice. one, well done. Nice. All right, this next one's a toughie. Now, B. British Columbia is home to the world's largest what it was originally created for the Expo 1986 and then acquired by the city of Duncan, British Columbia, where it is on display today. And a hint. The item is 68 yards long, weighs 62,000 pounds, and is therefore 40 times the size of a regular one of these. And is it A, a hockey goal, a B, a hockey stick, or C, a hockey jersey? Oh,
0: that's a a good one. A tough one there.
2: Hockey goal. Oh, incorrect. It's actually a hockey stick. (laughs)
0: So don't despair that one is more, one that, more that, chance. I, Casey, that was the longest question in the world. Is that it? Was that Edmonton?
2: Uh, no. If you oh, were listening, Duncan. Robbie, as usual, um, it's actually Duncan. But <laughs> okay, thanks sorry. for your input. All right. I appreciate, okay. all right. I, appreciate I, I, your I, opinion on that. Okay, Thank well, you. it's
0: Canada. I knew it was hot. Oh, I, yeah. yeah.
2: All right. All number all three. Shit. All right. Speaking of world records, BC resident Sarwan Singh who lives in the city of Surrey in the South of British Columbia holds the world's record for longest blank on a living male. It measures over seven feet. And is it a, a beard, B fingernails or C eyelashes?
1: It's creepy. No matter what the answer is,
0: (laughs) there's no other option, no other choice.
3: (laughs) Nails, beard. I would say beard.
2: Beard is correct.
0: Oh,
3: well Williams. done. Two out of three.
2: You
0: win. Woo. Well yeah. done, Dr. Williams. Very nice. <laughs> very, very nice
3: job. All right. Thank um, you so
0: much. That
3: was, that, that was good. That was good. Yeah. And wait,
2: you wait. and you didn't even have to study. See? No.
0: Yeah. And and two out of three on a KC quiz is. Is, it's really, it's demonstrating mastery. That's,
3: it's, it's a demonstrating it. mastery. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, on, on behalf of uh, our partners here, Dr. Williams, it was amazing to have you as the first guest in the superintendent series. Um, I'm not going to make you recite your uh, Twitter or LinkedIn accounts, but people can find you on those platforms, right?
3: Absolutely. And invite me back anytime.
0: Okay, we'll get you back on the show. Uh, Thanks again to Dr. Williams for joining Ed's Not Dead. Uh, Don't go away, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead. As always, fellas, we are brought to you by Ed's Not Dead Media, a full-service educational media company focusing on leadership instruction and 21st-century school reform. Once again, thank you to Dr. Daryl Williams, superintendent of the Baltimore County Public Schools, for being our first guest in the new E.N.D. Superintendent Series. Superintendent uh, Series. Dr. Williams killed it, didn't he, fellas? That's
1: great.
3: Yeah.
0: He was. He was. He was. Really, it was a big get. He was really good. I mean, there were a lot of. Yeah, And obviously we weren't recording our, we weren't video recording zoom, but he, it was seven 30 in the evening and he had a beautifully pressed white shirt on a perfect tie <laughs> and cufflinks um and i thought man he's probably had a long day yeah Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: we we appreciate him giving giving us the time
0: yeah all right so all right tune in next time for the next surprise superintendent (laughs) in the superintendent series all right mr Siddons, are you with us you've been you've been zoning out some tonight in the show
2: no i'm i'm here i'm here i'm ready to go uh i'm i've i've had it up to here with your critiques of my (laughs) attention level okay (laughs) Mr. I check my phone and I'm texting.
0: <laughs> I, don't, I don't do that. Well, I, yeah, you I,
1: never I, do that. I hope you have it together for a new segment. I don't think we've done this before. That is. We have. Yes, we so have. Wrong. Yes, we have. We yes, have, we have, have. Been, we have to a segment spot. that we've done before. And we've done. Uh, we've done let's this not, twice. Let's I not believe. pee in Mr. Krabel's court.
0: <laughs> He's excited about the segment. Go ahead. Mr. Krabel.
1: Uh, it's called stock up, stock down. Right. Cue uh, the music. Uh, yeah. I was thinking about getting a nice uh, a nice vocal thing. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, we'll see in post production if that happens. Anyway, so I'm just going to give you, um, you know, a word, a phrase, an idea, and you'll say whether you think it's trending up or trending down. You can give a little brief explanation, but as this is our outro segment, we usually try and keep it a little brief. So, no, not too much talking, Casey, because I know now that you're super engaged, uh, <laughs> you might, you know, want to really get after it, but. <laughs> not too all much right. talking okay uh,
0: all right he's
1: all right uh, all right <laughs> he's really <laughs> happy with this right now okay uh, so first up we're gonna go globally stock up stock down on the teaching profession mr dodd where are you where are we globally on the teaching profession Did he just called me mr dodd
0: <laughs> all right. um, Dr. bobby Dobbs. uh the teaching profession uh we are stock down Stock down. Why do you why do you say that? I knew this. This was a tough one. I, I mean I'm, I know I'm, and, I'm and you can't do half, a you can't a do glass a half full guy. I, yeah. I think right now, um, and I'm I've heard what Dr. Williams said, he made a great point that we've got to be really careful as educators about how we talk about the profession. Um, because you know we're in it because we love it. Uh I do think it's um Given the question you asked, Mr. Krabs, about the political wins, it is a hard profession to be in right now. So I would just say it's it's stocked down for the challenges that it's that it's experiencing.
2: I think stock down as well, but I think it's temporarily. Oh, yeah. I think I think we're about to hit a low point. I don't think we're there yet. I think we're about to hit a very low point and it's going to be very challenging for a the market lot of correction. <laughs> market correction? No, I don't think there's a market correction. I think we hit those. Uh, I think we're about to hit a. Uh, we we don't know. I don't know how bad it's going to get, but it's going to get worse. But I think when it hits to gets to a certain point of being so challenging, I think a lot of the country is going to wake up to be uh, open to something innovative and new and different to get more people to to join the teaching
0: profession. Well, I'm with All you. Right. Put a like positive you. spin on it.
2: Yeah. God. Sometimes the, the hardest. Sometimes like uh you have to let things hit rock bottom before people realize that um, you need to make a change
1: all right next up, somebody that could potentially help with that, Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona, Mr. Siddons, stock up or stock down uh.
2: Neutral. I have. I mean, no,
0: come on.
1: I, not an option. Let me
2: say, I'll say stock up and it's a politically biased one. I think it's great not to see our president and secretaries and people in the white house and the palace intrigue. I'm so glad to not see that every single day because I just want people in the federal government to do their job and not have to worry about who's, who's, you know, worried about bears in one school or, you know, being a ridiculous uh uh person in the, the cabinet. I mean how many cabinet officials have resigned in Biden's cabinet? Like or how many have been fired? Zero. Like it's just so nice to not have that movement. So stock up for stock Secretary up. Cardona. There you
1: go.
0: Doc 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 D. I mean I will go stock up. I think it's a, a low bar. I think I'm stealing Casey's um rationale. I mean You could only go up from, (laughs) from, I mean, we had a segment on the show about Betsy DeVos Um, stock up, but uh, I would like to see, I would like to see more from Miguel Cardona. Um, I just don't, you know, I, I, I thought that I thought he and the Biden administration could more aggressively kind of address the first question the teaching profession education in general to to get the good news out there and i just i just haven't i i maybe i'm not paying attention but i haven't i haven't seen it or felt mm-hmm. it or heard it yeah
1: and that's why when i was thinking about this when i was more of a stock down for that very reason and i hear you casey about like not wanting you know all of the daily drama and all that but at the same time you know the the secretary of ed, I would want to be like the number one champion in whatever, whatever they're doing. That's fair to push. Forward. That's fair. So, but uh, I like, it's, yeah. sad, but just that's what I would want. Yeah. All right. Next up online school.
3: <laughs>
1: that's you. Mm-hmm. First. <laughs> Miss no, Mister. Uh, so we're, we're, oh, we're doing this okay. everything. Yeah, Mister. Dodd. keep calling me Mister. Mister. Doctor Dodd. Okay.
2: Mister. Dobbs, because he wants to. He's he's trying
0: to. He's trying to trigger you. He's trying trying to bait bad. you. He's me. He's me. So no trigger zone. Um. Uh. What's the uh? What is it? Virtual on, learning? On, yeah.
1: Ver, online school. Virtual learning. Online school. Uh.
0: <laughs>
1: i don't know why i put online, online school, school. In, online know, it, school. Could also, it could also be virtual learning america
2: online school
0: I, I, <laughs> uh, okay um <laughs> online school is uh i would say i would say stock down uh um, <laughs> stock down yeah i think i think online school is stock down uh i think it's great that kids are back in schools um teaching and learning education to me is like inherently a social endeavor i think it's best done um in in spaces where we can interact um do i think that there is a place for online learning or online school uh (laughs) where is online school (laughs) I, i i do um and I think we learned a lot from it that can help us. But um, I, I think it's I think it's seen. It's not seen the wave its, of the future. It's seen its day. It's stocked down. Okay, stock down, big Doctors time. Symptoms.
2: Stocked down. It's done. Come on, come back to school. <laughs> I don't think it's done. put your mask on. Let's let's be done. Okay, we're, we're anyway. done
1: with online school. Uh, you coming, know what I was thinking,
2: coming,
0: coming from somebody who's about to get into a doctoral program that is all online school.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm not doing that. I don't think yet. So anyway, uh, I was also thinking about this the other day, and this is somewhat of a t- uh, an aside. Imagine if the pandemic hit in like 1996 or 97.
1: You were like 10. Would everybody have just 12. gone to school? Well, Like what would we have done? Schools closed. Is that what happened in nineteen nineteen or whenever that? Yeah, they was? closed. Yeah, they closed schools. They cl- oh, yeah, like but even year. then,
2: like, but it, but it wasn't as impactful because there, a lot of folks, a lot of kids weren't even in school. Like it was like a, it wasn't even that long of a day, and then a lot of, uh, so you know, rural areas didn't even have schools and. Um, So I don't know, just something interesting. All right, last—that's
0: an uh, interesting question. What would we? Uh, Crable
2: obviously doesn't care. (laughs) He was was ready to move on. You know, Dr. Dodd, who who turned me on to Tayak and Cubans. uh, (laughs) Uh,
1: I don't. I don't often host segments, so this is (laughs) okay. Okay, trying to keep it engaging. Someone's got to keep it moving. uh, I know what I'm doing. Yeah.
2: All right, we'll go back to online learn online school. Let's
1: talk more about online school. All right, last one for you, and then we'll get everybody out of here. No, I uh, see two more in the show. You want to do all of them? Oh, okay. Wow. All right, let's do them all. all right, keep answers, you to get this. Right, yeah, come on. We, we your is you a little bit shorter this. than, you oh, know. Uh, Everybody's okay. a critic. Another one. Uh We have stock up, stock down on the panic over public education. So this kind of ties into a little bit what you were talking about on the first one. So, Mr. with the panic over public education, where are we on that? Oh,
2: man. Uh Stock... Uh, I don't even know how to answer that. Um, I think stock down. I worry. What is it on pod save America? They they say, worry about everything, panic about nothing. And I am stock down. I'm not panicking about public education.
1: Good to hear Robert.
0: Um, Panic over public education. So it is stock down for me. Um, That's good. It's just noise. Uh, I, 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 um, I think schools are um, back to doing what they do best. And uh, I think that they, you know, I think they've largely gotten their footing, regained their footing.
1: All right. That is good to hear. All right. Something we know a lot about on this show, (laughs) higher education, stock up, stock down. Where do you see higher education in society right now i get to go first yes stock down as i
0: do those 6600 hundred dollar wire transfers (laughs) uh, from my maryland (laughs) 529 account uh which i've almost bled to death in a month um uh, i cannot believe how expensive it is um from a personal perspective my kid is having a great experience and it shouldn't (laughs) cost so much So I am stocked down.
1: Okay.
2: Stock down. Same reasons. It's too expensive. Uh, 40% of people who have outstanding student loan debt haven't even gotten a degree. They're not held to account for uh, how much money people earn or the jobs that they get after graduation. I'm I'm talking about they. I mean, college institutions, higher institutions.
1: Um, So stock down. All right. Interesting aside I heard an article or an interview excuse me with the president of Purdue University former governor of Indiana Mitch Daniels there you go who had a lot to say over what you just mentioned in terms of sort of like quote unquote guaranteed income post college and their focus on Yeah.
2: It. I listened to that too. He he he's he kept that Purdue University tuition the same since like 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. every co- every university has an option has a choice you know, and just takes people with courage to make those choices. Yeah.
0: All right, how about, last. habit rest in peace, peace Kenneth Starr, former president of
1: yeah, Baylor. Yeah, did see that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 that was almost almost sunk week,
3: our
2: republic. But you know whatever. Let's ago, let's yeah. rest in peace, Kenneth <laughs> Starr, you clown. Let's, let's sorry.
0: Move on.
1: Right. Sorry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. last one. Didn't he, defend, didn't he defend? Didn't
2: defend Trump and his uh, impeachment too? Sweet, one oh, one of did? his two impeachments. Oh, uh, right. I don't have a lot of
1: faith in him. I'm no, sorry. I remember that. All right, last one, Doctor Dodd. You are up. Book bans. We've been hearing a lot about these uh, going into libraries. Nobody's reading these books. They're just hearing about them online and then they're banning them. Are we reaching an apex on it? Where are we stock up or stock down?
0: Book bans stock up all the way. They are popular oh. and fun. And <laughs> who doesn't like, you know, finding books that inform kids about the world and removing them from the burning <laughs> them. Um, so I would say from a public perspective, it's stock up on book bans.
2: So I, I say it's stock up for a different reason. And I say it because uh, something I read recently is that New York city libraries are lending 25,000 books to non-residents since the spring, including thousands of students who are living under these book bans. So at the end of the day, people are going to read what they want to read. And uh, you, you can't stop people from trying to learn and, and do more for themselves.
1: Pretty wild. Yeah. That's, that's where we are. I would never, you had asked me a year, two years, five years, if banning books, I guess it always happens, but it just seems much more prevalent now. I would not have thought that this would have been a real thing. Yeah, it's, the, it's pretty wild. It's the,
0: it's the same folks that were that were trying to ban Judy Bloom books in the 1960s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the thing? Yeah. yeah yeah um are you there god it's me margaret or forever or you know books yeah. that that talked about sex talked about teenage identity um you know it was all fair game back then it's this it's it's remarkable how history just continues to repeat itself yeah yeah um especially in education so yeah yep. we just we just we have to soldier on the book bans will go away it's upsetting they will Yep. 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 So, anyway, um, all right, well, thanks for playing. Uh, that was good, Mister Crabs, <laughs> with the with the stock up, stock down segment. Uh, nice work. As always, listeners, if you have ideas about segments or things you'd like us discuss on the to discuss on the pod, uh, by all means, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we want to know what you're thinking. Um, all right, fellas, uh, great show once again. Thanks to Dr. Daryl Williams for being our guest in the superintendent series. Uh, we're going to get him back on the show at some point, right?
2: Wait a minute. Do you have any? Uh, I have a question for Crable.
1: Do you have
2: any Do you have any apologies for me or take <laughs> backs or compliments?
1: No, no, I think I did not. No apologies. Like, I, okay. You're standing strong. I, did, I, hey, I, I would like it. to apologize to Dr. Dodd for continually calling him Mr. Dodd. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know where that came See, from. See, I'm fishing for that, Dr.
2: Dodd. Okay. So I'm trying to help you out here.
0: What did I? What did I do? I don't no, understand. It, I no. thought this. I thought you were actually being serious. It was. To, was that? That's a segment. It's not on the show notes.
2: It, no. I I just threw it in there at the end because I, <laughs> I wanted I wanted Crable to apologize for for calling him Mr. Dodd. I thought I was. <laughs> I know. <funny. laughs>
0: I couldn't really tell if he was just have, now. To be fair, when you both worked for me, I was Mr. Dodd. So I was true. I, I could and I also,
2: that. and I also was Mr. Siddons, but you called me Mr. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I
0: did, but that was a, that was uh, I still tell day.
2: that. I still tell that story. It's that good. The, the, the first day. time
1: the Mr. Slipped out and then, you know, you he, took he, such he, umbrage with it that yeah, I just I had is. to continue. <laughs> with it.
0: Why not continue to, to well, I was, I, I was
1: expecting more, uh,
0: more teasing from, Dr. Williams on the show. He took it easy on me. He um, did, yeah.
1: yeah. He,
0: he when I when I once upon a time worked with him in a professional capacity, he he would he would give it to your your boy here pretty good. <laughs>
2: I, I I have a, a compliment. Yeah. And that's for Dr. Dodd and his booking skills. Oh. In in booking goodness. two guests. And you've booked 100 percent of our guests for this season, and I appreciate it.
0: I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep working on it. Um the pot is a valuable thing. We have to, all all three of us are uh, invested in it in different ways. Now, when we get off, Mr. Crable's got the unenviable task of putting it all together. <laughs> which he does a fabulous job on. Huh? That's Thank
2: true. You.
1: Oh, compliments.
2: Compliments. Yes, Flowers, yes. buddy. Flowers for you. Starting, Flowers.
0: To un- starting to get uncomfortable. Ed's Not Dead <laughs> is brought to you by Ed's Not Dead Media, a full-service educational media company focusing on leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. Uh, for Casey and Peter, as always, thanks for tuning in. Spread the word about EMD, and we will catch you next time. See you, fellas.